I just appreciate it. I want to pray for you and ask the Lord to speak to us this morning. Father, I thank you that you have loved us and you do love us with an everlasting love, God. I thank you for your goodness and your kindness to us. And Father, we, we love you and we want to worship you, God, with all of our hearts and with all of our might and with all of our soul. You are worthy of this. We want to give you worship, Father. And Lord, I thank you that even as Billy stood here this morning to testify about being a living sacrifice to you as we were singing. And he said, I'm not sure how to do that. Lord, I thank you that that's the message you put in my heart to preach. I thank you, God, that you have confirmed this whole day through the songs, through Billy's testimony. I thank you, Father, for the testimonies that have been given. And I pray, Lord, now that you will receive everything that you desire. Through your word, you created things. And you can create things in people's lives today just by your word going out. It's so powerful and life-changing. And I pray, Father, that we would experience it and your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be in Romans today. And um, I just appreciate everybody really taking to heart what I preached last Sunday. Um, and I, I'm moved by what God has been speaking to me about in regards to worship. And so I have been making it a a thing that I'm devoted to right now this year to really restore worship. Um, not that I can restore worship. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But I believe that there's not a lack of worship today. I just believe, according to Romans chapter 1, that we're not worshiping properly. We're not worshiping God as he should be worshipped. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1, as we have heard so much this year, that when they change the image of the uncorruptible God and make him into an image like man, or like four-footed beasts and things like that, Right there, we've stopped worshiping God. We have changed this God into another God. And so God does not receive that kind of worship. And, and we do that, and that has happened, and we've been tempted to do it. We've even said sometimes before, like, oh, if I were God, you know, as though we know better than God. And if God were really God, and if God wanted my counsel, this is what he needs to be doing. So we're changing the image of that uncorruptible God. And once we change God's uncorruptible image, we have no problem changing his truth. That God's truth is no longer valid. It doesn't mean what it means. We don't have to live by it. We don't have to honor that. We can pick and choose out of the Bible what we want to believe. Because we can just change truth. And we can change anything that doesn't accommodate me. And I believe those things that do accommodate me. And so we're handpicking a lot of things out of the Bible today. And so we have a culture that is in a lot of trouble. We have a society that is chaotic. We have people that are living in confusion. Suicide is the greatest temptation among teenagers today. They're, they literally want to take their life. They're trying to get the courage to do it. But they literally want to take their life. They're being tempted by hell and the spirits of darkness to end their lives. It is a terrible situation that people are living in. Parents are dealing with situations that they don't even know how to begin to deal with in the lives of their children. The aggression of this woke culture that we're living in in the United States of America is really all over the world. But the aggression of this woke culture today, parents don't even know where to begin to be able to deal with this. Our, we're, we're confused politically. We're confused genetically. We're confused biologically. We're confused sexually. We're confused spiritually. We're confused in every area of life. 
and Romans chapter 1, and I hope you can recall this, and if you don't, write it in your notes, but Romans chapter 1 tells us that when we no longer worship God as God, when we change the truth of God into a lie, when we no longer worship the Lord, but we really begin to worship ourselves, and we don't even want to talk about God, don't even talk to me about that, don't even bring the Bible into this, don't you be preaching at me. And all these things begin to happen. God tells us in Romans chapter 1, that's when society begins to be what we're living in today. Our society is living in Romans chapter 1. And it's because we fail to worship God properly. We fail to worship God the way that he has asked us to worship him and the way that he has asked us to worship him. Jesus said that we should worship him in spirit and in truth. The spirit is the Holy Spirit, the power of God's spirit, and the truth is God's truth. It's not your traditions. It's it's not your forms. It's, it's not your rituals. It's not the way mama did it or grandpa did it. It's not the way the Baptists did it. It's not the way the Pentecostals did it. It's not the way the Methodist did it. But how does the Holy Spirit do it? And what does the Word of God tell us to do? And I really want to know from God's Word. And when I read God's Word about how to worship God, how to praise God, how to seek the Lord, then I want to be very desperate for the Holy Spirit to give me the power to be able to do that and live that life with God. And so I'm desperate. I can't do anything that God desires apart from the Holy Spirit. And thank God it's that way because it's not to the strong or to the swift that that are able to win the battles and win the race. But it's by the power of God, by the Spirit of the Lord, we're able to do this. And so the problem today is a lack of worship. And you can do what you want to do, think what you want to think, use your logic the way that you want to use it. You can blame the young generation. You can blame the Democrats. You can blame the Republicans. You can blame the independents. You can blame this government, that government. You can blame whatever you will. You can blame Marxism. You can blame whatever you will. But the problem is Romans chapter one says, when we stop worshiping God, the way God is intended to be worshiped, then we are handed over to a reprobate mind, fighting and debating and arguing and there's criticism and there's hate and there's murder in the heart and all of these things begin to happen because man's mind is so messed up and it all begins from that very point when they knew God they did not glorify him as God and neither were they thankful so their hearts became dark their minds became full of vanity and they professed themselves to be wise and they became fools this is not the world this is the church this is the people that knew God and, and, and it all begins because I don't feel like thanking God. I don't feel like glorifying God. And from that, we begin to think that we know better than God knows and we're smarter than God. And, and yet God says we're the foolish ones because God knows how he's designed us and how he's created us to live. And so that's just a little review on the condition of our society today. And I think you have to, one thing we, I think we could all agree on is our society is in trouble. Our society is morally bankrupt. Our society is scientifically in trouble because there are just things that lack the intelligence for people to even say when a Supreme Court justice is placed on the bench and cannot even define what a woman is. I mean, we're in trouble 
How are they going to define much more complicated things than that? But it's not the fact that this judge could not define a woman. This judge was under the dominion and the control and the bondage of a woke culture and did not have the courage to speak the truth because the church is what provides the courage to speak the truth because the only truth there is in the world is Jesus Christ. And so I just pray that we will take that to heart and that we would understand it, that perhaps the church, the world is waiting on the church to start worshiping God again so that there's hope in our streets and everything. If we would just begin to glorify God, if we would just begin to give thanks to the Lord in everything, for this is the will of God concerning us, then you know what would happen? Your dark heart would begin to have some light in it. It would begin to have some understanding in it, and your mind wouldn't be full of vanity and fear and disaster and negativism, but your your mind would begin to think the good things, the holy things, the things full of praise and love. Love and virtue and good. And, and, and people play this down. They play praise down. And they play, they play it down to give thanksgiving to God. And they play it down to glorify God. Because you just don't know what I'm going through. And you don't know what I've been through. And you don't know what I'm suffering. It's just so easy for you to say that. It's so free, easy for you to do that. Well, I ain't the one depressed. I'm not. And it's not because I have the power to do it. It's because this is the truth. It's the truth of God. There's a way out. There's a way in too. And it's God and his presence that gives us the light of that. And gives us the truth of that. So we have also been putting into this message. Something from Genesis chapter 11. And I want to just reference this very quickly. And it was when all of the people on the earth spoke the same language. And they were all together. They moved around about the earth together. And they made a decision. They said, unless we are scattered throughout all of the earth, let's build us a city and a tower that will reach to heaven. And so that's what they did. And they were building this tower and God comes down and God sees this tower of Babel and God sees what they're doing, and so God strikes confusion into the people, and God calls them to begin to speak different languages. It's absolute truth, and it's not a fairy tale of how all of that happened. There's even archaeological evidence of these things. But the fact of the matter is, in our educated day-to-day, in our intellect today, we would sit back and think about those people in the book of Genesis chapter 11 and say, oh, they're so primitive. They're so naive, they're so uncivilized, they're so uneducated that they think they could actually build a tower to heaven as though they could reach the heavens and reach God. We know now that you cannot do that. And the significant thing is, is that we would have to understand and agree with that kind of logic. But this is the, this is the thing that throws the wrench into everything that God came down, God looked at it, and God said, the people are one. And whatever they imagine, they will be able to do it. So let us confound their language. Now you might be wondering, well, what's the problem with the people being one and imagining things and being able to accomplish it? Because they were one in a demonic power. They were one in an occultic influence whose main agenda and desire was to destroy the plans and the purposes of God in eternity past and in eternity future. Their tower was to tap into the occult 
and tapping into the occult, whatever they imagined, there would be a power that was actually available to them to be able to do things in the real world that they would not be able to do had they been separated. And so I just say this to you, this is Genesis 11, and I just say this to you that if mankind away from God and apart from God could dwell together in unity by the power of Satan... And man could begin to imagine things by the power of Satan. And Satan could give men that kind of power that whatever they're imagining, they would be able to create and to produce. And we have to understand, man can do some great things. And he can produce some incredible things. We're witnesses of that. Then how much more could a people who are united in the power of the Holy Spirit... And how much more a people who are united under the worship of God and the true worship of God, then how much more would the Holy Spirit be able to do through those people than the people who are given over to the devil? And it wouldn't even be a contest. It just wouldn't even be a contest of what God could do through his church if his church were united and they were receiving the power of the Holy Spirit to live and function and move. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning is what is my true worship? What is it? What does true worship really look like? How am I supposed to do this? You know, and so maybe kind of backing out of our traditions and our forms and our rituals just to really look simply at the scriptures today and to see what they say. And so I just ask you this, and if you turn to Romans chapter 12 and I just want to say this to you. Is it possible that our unity and our worship of God could be the hope of our city? Could it possibly be that a group of people could gather together at First New Testament Church on 3235 Auburn Lane in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at a 1030 Sunday morning service? And if every one of those people who were believers would gather together under a true worship of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, is there a type, is there really a possibility that the gathering of that people could be the hope of Baton Rouge? Our mayor is praying. Our mayor, we we get to visit with her every month. And our mayor is praying. I'm praying for 30 days of no homicides in Baton Rouge. And we're, we're not even close to being able to do that. But she's telling the church, this is what I'm praying for. We're killing too many people in Baton Rouge. There's too much murder in our city. And so is the hope of our city a better mayor? Is the hope of our city a more efficient police force? Or could the hope of Baton Rouge be inside this room today than if we would really worship God properly? That something could happen out of this. And you say, I know you say, you say, oh, there's no way that could happen. One thing we need to clap better. We just, you know, just, just do that. Yeah. But, but, you know, one thing I would say to this is, because the naysayers are like, you know, that's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Think a gathering of, of Christian men and women and boys and girls and babies are going to have any effect upon this, our streets and in our city. Well, I, I don't have much to say to you, but I can tell you this. 120 people in an upper room turned the world upside down. I can tell you that. And I can tell you that it happened again in Acts chapter 4. When a group of people got together in a prayer meeting and asked God to move in power and give them boldness to preach the gospel. And that the Holy Spirit would work miracles. And they went out. The house was shaken where they were assembled. And great power came upon them. And their handkerchiefs cast out devils. 
and their shadows fell on the sick and they got up and they were healed because the shadow touched them. I'm telling you, I am a believer. I believe God can do it. I believe he can do it. My God, I believe he can do it. And the problem is not God doing it. The problem is, is trying to get the body of Christ, the church, the confession of believers who say they believe in God and believe in worship, to actually worship God the way he's asking. That's the problem. The problem is the disconnect among the body of Christ. The problem is how many Christians have been duped by the devil for generations and decades to just go to church. You are the church. The Spirit of God lives in you. Jesus, by His blood, has made you kings and priests unto God. There's authority in your life. There's power in your life. And coming together to worship God in humility before the Lord. It literally could transform our city. It literally could transform our homes and our families and our personal lives. Just glorifying God and giving Him thanks will transform your personal life. And so we come to this and... Romans chapter 12, and I just consider this thought that the world is waiting on our worship and God is waiting on our worship and heaven is waiting on our worship. And the Bible says in Romans 12, and I'm just going to read verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's what the King James says. Other translations would begin to use the word worship. This is your worship to God. And the word service there in the Greek definition is your ministration and service to God. Your worship of God. So there it is. And it's so amazing how this service has gone today. With the music, Mr. Billy sharing the word that God had put in his heart to share. And he's, and he talked about being a, a living sacrifice. And he says, I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't really know how to do that. And I by no means can pretend that I know how to do that fully and, and, and completely. But God has given me a message today for that. That's my message. I texted it to them at 830 this morning before Billy ever gave this word. What is our true worship? God wants to speak to us today. God wants us to know something. Nobody's here as a visitor. You're here by a divine appointment of God. Because God wants you to be a part of what he wants to do. Now let me say something to you very carefully. I want you to listen to my heart. I believe in the grace of God. I believe that anything that we could ever do that's profitable to the kingdom of God has to be through God's grace. It has to be by the power and the enablement of the Holy Spirit. Praising God in his spirit, worship in the spirit, praying in the spirit, preaching in the spirit, loving in the spirit. Everything is by the spirit of God. I I don't want you to do anything that in your heart and in your spirit is not led of the Lord. I want you to understand that. I would not want anybody to judge anybody else on their outward forms as though you could look into their heart. You can't judge another person's heart. You can look at fruit in their life and there might be things that testify of a deeper working of God that's going on in somebody's life because of how it is being manifested on the outside. But I I want you to hear my heart. 
I've, I've never have and I do not want people to just go through with the acts of obedience. And the spirit of God is not in it. You understand that? I want you to be led of the spirit. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want the spirit of the Lord to be the thing, the one that governs you, that moves you. And that directs your life. That's what I desire with all of my heart. And apart from the Holy Spirit, there is no true worship. If we could just settle it right there. Apart from him, there is no true worship, whatever you do. Jesus said the father is looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And if our worship of God is not biblical, defined in the Bible, and operating within the confines and the boundaries of the word of God, then it's not worship. It's just not worship. I don't care what it is. I don't care what the experience is. But if it's not within the confines of the protections of God's word and under the direction of the Holy Spirit, it's not worship. It's just not. So I want that to be in you. And people come in, in, in various ways. Some people are mature in the faith. Others might be young in the faith, immature in the faith. Some people might have great faith this morning. Other people might be struggling in their faith and have a weak faith. You're all valuable to God. God loves every one of you. And God wants every one of you to access his presence. God wants every one of you. And I will tell you this, that the only way you can come into the presence of God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. You do not come to God on the basis of your goodness or your works, but you can only come to God through what Jesus Christ has done for you. So regardless of where you are, God has given access to himself, to every one of us through his son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that you will take advantage of that because, you know, there's just some things that you know, and you're not really doing anything about it. You know, your heart's cold. You know your heart's calloused. You know that you're not actually walking in the power of the Holy Spirit right now in your life. You know that. And the question is, what are you doing about it? How are you pursuing God's presence and approaching his throne so you can receive grace and mercy to help you? And say, oh God, fill me with your spirit and ignite me with your fire, God. I want there to be passion in me for you. I want my heart to be in it. So even your own knowledge of yourself... You know what it is. You know where you are. Is there anything in you that just says, I just need to get this right with God. I need my worship to be right with God. And so he tells us this, and, and I want you to understand it. He says here in verse 1, present your bodies. Present your bodies. This word present means to approach, to formally make yourself available. Approach and formally, formally make yourself available. It is one thing to gather with a congregation and be a face in the crowd. It is another thing to go out of that congregation, separate yourself from it, and stand before God and say, I am presenting myself to you. I am formally approaching you and making myself available to serve you. 
It's easy to fade into the crowd. Our churches all over America are doing this. And we've been doing it for decades. And it's not helping our youth. It's not helping our culture. It's not helping our young people. Because whatever this is that's been going on in America for decades, in the name of God, it's not working. Because it's so easy to just come together with a big crowd. And oftentimes, all we might be doing is like Adam and Eve when they were in the garden and they're hiding behind the trees. And I'm hiding behind you. And I'm hiding in my seat. And I'm hiding behind these goodnesses. And I'm hiding behind this religious act. And I'm hiding behind that religious act. And I'm singing the song. And I'm doing this after all. And all of these things we get to do and we can just fade into the crowd, fade into the group. But there must come, this is what he says. You look at it in Romans 12, 1, that you present You separate yourself, you move forward, and you formally come before God and say, I present my body. It's your body, right? It's not your heart. It's not your mind. It's not your spirit. It's not your thoughts. Look at it. What does it say? It's your body. And what is Paul cutting at? He's cutting at this issue that goes all the way back to Romans chapter 1. Oh, I worship God. Oh, I believe God. Oh, yeah, I know God's true. I know that I should be thanking him. I know that I should be glorifying him. But I love the Lord. God knows that I love God. And so Paul comes to the end of Romans and he gets to chapter 12. And he's literally having to beg the church to worship God. He's having to beg them by his mercy. Come before him and present your body. You know what he's saying? All of the talk has to end. All of these spiritual confessions, all of these doctrinal confessions that we have, all of these, uh, you got to know who you are in Christ, and you got to know this, and you got to, all of these things are great, but if all of these things that I have are not affecting the presentation of my body, if my body is not doing something about this, and so I would say it's much like James. When James says, you say that you have faith, I will show you my faith. My body is going to do something with it. The faith that is in me is going to do something through my body, not just through what I say and not just through what I say that I confess or what I tell you that while I'm worshiping God in my heart. And so in Romans chapter 12, Paul says, listen, your reasonable service, listen to this, your reasonable service, your reasonable worship is to formally present your body to God for ministry. It's got nothing to do with singing. Has everything to do with serving the king. Because he's worthy. Because of his mercy. You're serving the king. I want you to understand that. Because that is the one thing. In Romans chapter 12. Verse 1. He's telling us. Present your body as a living sacrifice. I'm not asking you to be crucified upside down. I'm not asking you to die. I'm asking you to live for me. Give me your body. Because if I give you my body, I'm giving you my heart. And if I give you my body, I'm giving you my soul. And if I give you my body, I'm giving you my mind. That's what I'm doing. If your body, in this context, 
In this context, if your body is not in it, your spirit is not in it. If your body is not in it, your heart is not in it. If your body is not in it, your faith is not in it. If your body is not in it, your worship is lacking. It's not our reasonable service. It's just not. So how do we do this? This is very simple. Now, I desire for this to be very simple right now. How do we present our bodies... As living sacrifices, alive to God, which is our reasonable presenting of ourselves to the service of the king. Formally approaching him. How do we do this? Well, you serve the Lord by what he's clearly declared. And you do it with your body. You do it with your body Because you're the recipient of his mercy. You're the recipient of his work in your life. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about God's mercy being in you and affecting you. And and mercy is loving kindness, right? So you're, you're literally overwhelmed with how God, how good God has been to you. I'm overwhelmed that God not only could love me, I'm overwhelmed that he would love me. How might I serve you? Regardless of why other people are doing what they're doing, why people are going to church, why people are going to prayer, why people read their Bible, that's their business. But for me... I can't understand how you would love me and be so good to me. How can I serve you? Not to gain points with you. I've already found favor. But to express my love for you. I I, I give you my body. That means everything that's in this house is yours. To use however it is that you want to use this in my life. And so God has declared in his word. There are things that he desires for us to be about. And this is how you worship God. There are things in God's word. To serve the body of Christ. This is not mysterious. It's not complicated. It's not this. You know. These people worship God. No, it's, it's not that. It's very practical. Present your body as a living sacrifice, which is your worship. And so what does God ask you to do? Serve my church. Serve my, love one another. Love one another. Let your body do it. Let your person do it. Your, your body, your soul, your spirit. Let that do it. Don't talk about it. Love in word and in deed. Stop talking about it and do it. Praise me. Praise me. I have asked you to. I've asked you to praise me. I've asked you to magnify me. I've asked you to thank me. I've asked you to glorify. I've asked you and asked you all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, in the revelation of heaven, in the book of Revelation, the chief occupation and duty of everybody in heaven, of the angels and the redeemed. What are they doing? They're praising me. I've asked you to do it. 
Not in your heart, not in your head, not in your theology. With your body, do it. Do it. I've asked you to tithe. I've asked you to give. I've asked you to support. And when you do that, because of the mercy and the relationship that we have, you're worshiping me. Every time you tithe, you're worshiping me. I've told you to go. I've told you to go into all of the world and make disciples. So when you begin to invest your life in somebody that does not know me or somebody that's just learning me and it's requiring so much of you and you're tired and you're worn out, but you got to answer that phone and stay up another hour, another two hours praying and counseling. You're worshiping me. You're worshiping me. And you're doing it because I'm God. And because I'm worthy. And I'm not like you. And I've been good to you. And I've been merciful to you. And I've been kind to you. I've asked you to pray. I've asked you to study my word so you could know it. So you could be a good workman for me. I've asked you to study it. But you read it instead of studying it. And all how I want to use you, but you're not ready. And I've asked you to study it with the anointing of my Holy Spirit. Who I've given you so that you can know me. But you're very content to live without the intimacy of my spirit. You're very content to do the most of your day and the most of your week without my help. You don't need my help. You wake up and practically don't even know that I'm there. You go through your day and I'm crying for you because I love you. And you're so unaware of me. And I've given you my spirit so that you might know it. I long for you. I long for you to long for me. So I've given you my spirit who longs for me to live inside of you. So he will make your heart long for me given you everything. I've given you the baptism in the Holy Spirit so you can have power. I've asked you to receive him. I told you that I was sending my spirit into the world, into the church, so that you could know me and be empowered by me. I asked you to receive him. If you want to worship me, receive him. Be a disciple maker. Evangelize. Give, go, serve, love, forgive, put your body in it. So what he's asking us to do. It's not mystical. But that's not the kind of Christianity we like. Oh. There's a church down the road. I can be out in 20 minutes. And... I won't feel any conviction to have to do something different with my life. And look at Baton Rouge. When this city is waiting on our worship. Our worship. I'll give you another aspect of this. We serve the Lord. We present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice by joining the movement of the Lord in our local assembly. 
For you, that's this church. But you give your body. You give yourself to that. I want to serve the movement of God in the local assembly that the Holy Spirit has put me in. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit places us in the body of Christ where it pleases Him. And so for many of you guys, you have confessed that Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, has placed you here at First New Testament Church. You believe this is where God wants you to be. So if you want to worship God, serve the movement of God in that local assembly. Be a part of it. Participate in it. It's not the church's job to find something for you to do. The Holy Spirit will find something for you to do. And there's an abundance of needs and requests. Maybe it's not up your alley, but maybe the Lord will make your alley a fulfillment if you'll serve him on this side street for a moment. Who knows? But it's present your body to the Lord as a living sacrifice to do these things that God has called us to do. So what is the church doing? What is the pastor preaching? What's the Holy Spirit saying to the church? Put your body into it. Is that simple enough? Put your body into it. I don't mean that you have to make every meeting and attend every outreach. That's impossible. There are groups that you're not a part of. There are things that you cannot make. There are responsibilities that you have in life that there's no way you could do other things that the church is doing. It is by no means to insinuate that you have to be at every meeting and you have to be at every function and you have to be at every outreach. That is not what this means. But it means that I want to participate in the move and the message of the Holy Spirit to that local body. What is First New Testament Church? I'm joining myself to it. I want to worship God there. That doesn't mean I want to sing there. That doesn't mean, you know, I was going to say join the choir, but if you do that, that is worship. That's serving God, presenting yourselves, or, or being a preacher there, whatever. It doesn't mean that. It just means what is God doing in that church? What's the vision of that church? What's the purpose of that church? I want to, I'm being joined there. I want to put my body into it. I want to serve it. Is there a call to the altar? Is the altar important at First New Testament Church? Then present your body there. Present your body. If we're going to have unity, is there a call to praise? If you dismiss this, then you yourself would be lacking in worship. Is there a need or a work to be done? Is there a project that's underway? Is there a prayer meeting? Is there a, is there a service that is being done? If you do not join the body the Holy Spirit has placed you in, then there's not unity in worship. And if there's not unity in worship, unlike Babel, then what God would want to do would be greatly hindered. But imagine if we understood the move of God, the call of God, the purposes and the plans of God, even in my local assembly. And I say, I want, I want to personally involve myself in what you're doing in my church. 
then what the church is doing is going to be given exponential power just from the power of God's Spirit that is in you. It's not works. It's the mercy that you've been given. And because of that mercy, you're so in love with God that you want to serve Him. You want to give yourself to Him. It's not about my projects. It's about the worship of God. So it's not about my projects. It's about His project. It's about His kingdom. It's about His church. It's about His word, His truth. And I want to seek that with all of my heart. So what's our reasonable worship? Present your body as a living sacrifice. Where do I present my body? What do I give my body to so that I can serve God? What he said in his word. And to participate in where he's placed me. In his church. And more than anything. To be led by the Holy Spirit. So that it's not my might or my power but his. Would you stand with me? You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Let's sing that again one more time. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. I want to say this to you this morning. That these last two messages that I preached last Sunday morning and today. It has consumed my heart. I feel the burden of it. I feel the hope of it. For the kingdom of heaven. And for the demonstration of Jesus in our city. To bring the church together in a unity of worship. It has been so misunderstood through the decades. But if it is the presenting of my body. If it begins there. Then why not do that? No, it's not a faithful body. It's not a perfect body. It's a body that may recognize that there's been a recent sin 
a recent rebellion against God, even as a Christian. Maybe in that body is the sense of unworthiness, shame. God says, if you want to worship me, come present that body to me. I'll receive that worship from the most vile, the most fallen among you. If you present that body to me, I'll receive it. Would you receive his Holy Spirit? Would you pray that the Holy Spirit, would you just pray this, that the Holy Spirit would come to you and break the, cha- the chains of tradition and legalism over your life, over your understanding. That we would not be governed by the way tradition has worshipped God, but we would be governed by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to worship the Lord. If our city is waiting for believers to worship God, if heaven is waiting for believers to worship God, if God is waiting for believers to worship God, can we be among the first? Present yourself. Do something different today. Take a new step of faith. Sanity is doing the same thing over and over again and nothing changes. So by faith, do something different. Move forward. Step out. Let your body enter into it. Let God receive His glory from you. His love from you. Lord, I pray that you would let the light of Jesus break out upon us in our hearts, in our minds, God. I pray, Father, that we would be delivered from negative thoughts and despair and depression that's plaguing our community and our society today. And I pray, God, that there would be such a move of the Holy Ghost that the only one that could get the credit and the glory would be you. Because it would be something that man, not even a, a group of men or a group of churches could even accomplish. Only the Holy Spirit could do something like this. We ask for that, God. We thank you for receiving sinners of who I am, the chief. We thank you. That mercy affects me. Oh, I want to serve you, God. I want to serve you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would continue to extend to us the Holy Spirit. Please let us receive.